Welcome to the Clued in Mystery Podcast. I'm Sarah. And I'm Brooke. And we both love mystery. So Sarah, before we get started today, I wanted to share with our listeners a very special announcement. We had something fun and exciting happen. Sarah and I were interviewed as podcast hosts for the first time by Lori Lewis over at Kings River Life Magazine. Uh, We'll link to the interview in case any of you would like to read it. That would make us happy. Um, And I'll also remind you of Lori Lewis's Mystery Rats Maze podcast. Um, The episodes in that consist of mystery short stories and first chapters of mystery novels read and brought to life by professional narrators and actors. They're really, really good. You can find Mystery Rats Maze podcast on all your favorite listening apps or on their website, which is mysteryratsmaze.podbean.com. Thanks, Brooke. So, Today, we're going to talk about spy fiction. And um, this was a really interesting topic for me to kind of think about and to research, largely because I've watched far more in this genre than I've read. And I suspect that that's true for a lot of people. The Bond franchise is one of, I think it's the fifth highest grossing uh, franchise of films ever. And I think I read somewhere or heard somewhere that uh, something like one third of the world's population has seen a Bond film. Wow. I know. It's incredible. So everybody knows who James Bond is, right? Uh, But Mm -hmm. I suspect that the number of people who've actually read something by Ian Fleming or one of the other authors who write in the James Bond space is, is considerably lower. So maybe we can talk a little bit about that. But I'll start with just a little very high level introduction to spy fiction. Um, Because again, this is something that, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not as familiar with, but uh, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, So as I was thinking about spies and, and spy fiction, I realized that the history is actually quite long. So if we think about a spy as someone who's gathering intelligence, um, Shakespeare and his plays frequently had characters who were eavesdropping or using what they heard to their advantage or to another character's advantage. And he had several female characters who would dress in a male part as part of a deception. So his plays weren't primarily what we would consider to be spy thrillers. I think they planted a lot of the seeds of what we see in that in that genre. Jumping ahead a few hundred years, 1821 saw the publication of The Spy, which was about the American Revolution. Richard Kipling's Kim was published serially starting in December 1900 and as a novel in 1901. And that brings us into the 20th century. Joseph Conrad's The Secret Agent proved also to be quite popular when it was published in 1907. And even our friend Sherlock Holmes played the role of spy in uh, a few of Doyle's later works. But it's really only after the Second World War and into the Cold War that we see spy fiction taking off as being a popular genre. Spy fiction is rooted in conflict, and I think with the established news networks conveying information to the public far quicker during the Second World War than in past conflicts, it wasn't really, it's not really surprising that the public became interested in espionage and its potential to impact the outcome of a conflict. And 
I, you know, I think to some degree, spy fiction could be considered pro-government. So I wouldn't say that it's propaganda. I wouldn't go that far, but I would say that there's there's definitely a patriotic element to it that we don't see in, you know, Agatha Christie's works. Um, though perhaps her her patriotism is just less overt because there's definitely a you know um, fondness for um, for the English countryside that comes out in in her writing. Um, but in spy fiction, the protagonist, whether it's Bond, uh, Jason Bourne, George Smiley, it, the protagonist is almost always working for the West with a big enemy looming. So in The Secret Agent, it was anarchy. Um, it's the threat of nuclear war or communism in works from the mid 20th century. And more recently, it's global terrorists, criminal networks or deep rooted conspiracy that um, that they're working against. So, you know, the big names in the genre would be uh, John le Carré and Ian Fleming. So John le Carré and his uh, uh, wrote several works um, about George Smiley, uh, as well as other other characters who were part of the British Secret Service. Uh, and Ian Fleming obviously was the creator of James Bond. But that um, franchise is so popular that the Bond is, or sorry, the Fleming estate has commissioned four other authors to continue writing Bond stories. But I thought, Brooke, maybe we could start by talking about how the mystery in spy fiction is as much about figuring out where allegiance lies as it is about understanding why characters make their choices and less about how a murder was committed or who did it. Thank you so much for that, Sarah. That was fantastic. It was a great overview. But yeah, absolutely. The puzzle is different, isn't it? Um, and the that actually that question got me thinking about um, a book that was on my shelf called How to Write a Killer How to Write Killer Fiction by Carolyn Wheat. And this is just a great book. It's primarily for people who are wanting to write mystery fiction. But she really draws a great comparison between mysteries, which she calls the fun house of mystery, or suspense, which she calls more of a roller coaster ride. I thought I'd share a quote because I think it's a great setup for this. So Wheat says, in contrast to the intellectual pleasure of the mystery, suspense is an emotional roller coaster ride. If there is a puzzle element, it is decidedly secondary to the visceral experience. We read it not to be entertained by a detective sifting through the clues of a past murder, but to grit our teeth and bite our nails as our hero dodges bullets and evades danger in the present. So absolutely, we're not looking at a who done it. We're looking at maybe more of a who's doing it. Yeah, and uh, you know, so I um, to prepare for this, read um, a couple of James Bond stories. And yeah, you definitely get that Your heart racing as, uh, you know, is he, is he going to um, get out of this situation that, that he's found himself in, right? He's either staring at the barrel of a gun or, um, you know, there was a, a threat of poison or... Um, no, threat of acid being thrown on him in in one of the the stories that I read, um, and uh, I mean you know that you know, James Bond is always going to get out of it, but um, there's still that that element of of um, suspense. Um, 
I've read a couple of things that kind of commented on the fact that James Bond particularly isn't so much a spy because he's rarely actually gathering intelligence, right? He's, he's doing Mm. the, the action, right? He's, he's saving the girl or, um, uh, you know, coming up against someone in, you know, a physical altercation, Whereas in um, the Carré's work, it's far more rooted in, you know, talking to people and um, gathering information. Yeah, um, sure. Bond is an MI6 guy, but I think you're exactly right. The Those stories are much more action oriented, where Le Carré's are much more intellectual. Like you really have to... Um, that is one of, like you said at the beginning, my knowledge or background is mostly in the film or TV version of spy fiction. But the only exception is years ago, I read um, The Spy Who Came In From The Cold. And it is something you have to read and be very diligent because there are so there is so much information. It's very like you say, intellectual, he's gathering lots of pieces of information. And um, Ian Fleming is just writing about the action-packed side of the of the adventure as, the, as I see it. And, and I think we see that in the film and television versions as well, right? Like I think about, but actually mm-hmm. I think about James Bond, like the earlier James Bond films. And I remember watching one with my husband, um, don't remember which one it was now. Uh, but I remember turning to him at some point and being like, but nothing's happening. Comparing it to the Daniel Craig versions where it's like explosive scene after explosive scene. Yes. Right? So, you know, I, I think that probably reflects a little bit a uh, shift in um, audience preference, but also, you know, special effects capabilities that, you know, are, are considerably um more advanced and more elaborate than they, than they were when, when Sean Connery was, was Bond. Um, But, and, and so maybe those earlier Bond films are still closer to the spy fiction uh, than being more Mm -hmm. action, um, action driven. But, you know, if I think about, um, was it, BBC that did the night manager a few years ago. That was, I mean, there was, there was some, you know, dangerous element in that, but it it was really about gathering information. Uh, So one of the other things that I found fascinating was thinking about how um, many authors of spy fiction have a history of actually being spies themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know if his plays were necessarily about spies, but um, a contemporary of Shakespeare, Christopher Marlowe, was thought to have been a member of Francis Walsingham's extensive network of spies whose information was used to protect the interests of Queen Elizabeth I. And uh, more recently, Graham Greene, who wrote The Quiet American, uh, reported to the famous double agent Kim Philby, um, MI6, uh, Ian Fleming, um, who we've already talked about, he worked for the, uh, did he work for MI5 or MI6? I can't remember. I think MI6 as well. I mean, there's a long history of of authors writing about what they know, right? So um, lawyers writing legal thrillers, um, mm-hmm. pathologists writing, you know, writing mysteries that involve kind of the 
figuring out the puzzle of, of what the body is is telling them so that they can figure out what what the crime was. But there's something, I don't know if it's because it feels like we as the audience are being let in on a secret that makes spies or authors who were spies just seem a little sexier. I don't know. <laughs> what do you think, Brooke? Yeah. Well, and it um I I also came across these names of authors who uh, Somerset Mom was MI6 and C.S. Forrester was writing propaganda for the Ministry of Information. And it's even suspected by a recent biographer that Ernest Hemingway had set up a counterintelligence bureau in Havana for the FBI. Um, so, but I, I think you're right because it gives uh, the, the prose or the stories so much more weight if you know that they know what they're talking about. And that's true for anything we read. It makes it more uh, impactful. But because this is such a fascinating and dangerous and um, tricky mission. And I also think that it's interesting because we kind of think of authors as like the little nerdy, unassuming figure. But these guys were doing amazing um, and dangerous and, you know, uh, exhilarating things and then coming back to write stories about it. So uh, writers aren't always the wallflower. <laughs> so one of the things just, you know, thinking about spies being um, authors as well is uh, one of the things I read, I think it was Graham Greene wrote something that was used by other intelligence services to understand how the British Secret Service worked uh, so I guess that's that's the risk in this author being also a spy is them sharing, you know, a little bit more than than they should, which isn't so much a risk, you know, if it's a lawyer or a or a um, uh, a physician writing about um, murder from their from their perspective. Um, I have to look it up and and find the reference to include in the in the show notes. Yeah, that's so interesting. I mean, the risk you take in, you know, spilling the tea about MI6, uh, that's, that's a dangerous game. Yeah, you would, you would really have to be careful about not revealing too much about, I guess, the, the trade craft, right, in terms of um, what they do to, for um, to transfer information. So the dead drops or, um, I, I was trying to remember which whether it was something that I read or something that I watched where messages were passed through the spines of books. Mm. Yeah. And, and so there was a bookshop that kind of served as that, as that location and the um, conversation happened through the um, messages that were, that were in the spines of books. I'm going to have to see if I can figure out, maybe I have to go to the library because I'm sure, I'm sure the librarian will know exactly what I'm talking about, but <laughs> That just excites a book lover so much that that's the way that the codes were passed. That makes me so happy. <laughs> totally, totally. But the challenge would be if you've used that in your in your book, they can't continue to use that method, right? In in mm -hmm. if that was how they were actually, you know, if, if that was ever. Um, based in truth. And, you know, obviously, James Bond has all of his gadgets that 
may or may not actually exist. And so there's probably less risk with with those stories. But you know, when you think about Graham Greene or or Le Carre and and uh, the stories that were more grounded in kind of the gathering of intelligence. Um, that caution. I, I imagine that there might have been some people, you know, higher up in the uh, at MI six who were reading some of those those their stories with mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, 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 unease. <laughs> For sure. One of the other things that I was thinking about is um, location. So in past episodes, we've talked about how kind of classic mysteries really, we associate those with the UK uh, and hard-boiled mysteries uh, we associate with the US, right? Like they're, you know, set in in urban settings in the, in the US. Much of what I read uh, for our conversation was either set in the UK or featured British spies, right? So again, we're talking about mm-hmm. Bond, um, Le Carre. Did you read anything that featured um, American spies? I mean, I know there's more, there must be some that are, that are set with CIA or, or American intelligence. And I know there's definitely television shows that are based on the CIA, you know, Homeland. Um, and then I, was Alias, it wasn't CIA, it was like a, its own private <laughs> spy network yes. or something wasn't it like a fictional um, but it was based mm-hmm. in the u.s yeah um but yeah did you like i don't i don't have any comparison do you have you read any anything featuring american spies no everything um like you say it's all very uk based and uh like even if you think about the jason Bourne franchise i believe he's an american spy but it all mostly takes place in in Europe. So there's some like sexy intrigue, I think, with the European. And I I really believe that it probably comes back to the fact that the popularity of it arose from those years, like you said, with British authors. Because it also is a very, like the golden age, it's going to be a very British feel to almost all the, um, you know, the cars are European cars and the locations are a lot of the very luxurious European locations. So um, yeah, that's fascinating. So the other thing that I noted um, is the role of women in, uh, in spy fiction. So I've read recently a few books um, that women are the the central characters uh, and they are playing a significant role in gathering intelligence. So I'm thinking of the Alice Network or the Rose Code, both by Kate Quinn uh, on TV a few years ago. There were there was a series about um, uh, called the Bletchley Circle about women who were involved in um, code breaking at, at Bletchley Park. Um, but in, again, coming back to Bond and even Le Carre, women seem to really take a secondary role. And I think when I contrast that with mystery, especially cozy mysteries where women are very well represented as sleuths, uh, I wonder, I wonder again, if that comes back to kind of Fleming and Le Carre being the real masters of this space and, and them really setting that, that tone. What, what do you think, Brooke? I saw a large um, similarity between, and, and I'm, again, I'm talking about um, La Carre and 
and uh, Fleming as well. A big similarity with the noir fiction women. You know, you've got women sort of as the sex symbol, sort of as the problematic femme fatale, um, or the um, woman that they're not sure they can trust. It felt a lot like the noir fiction and how we discussed that with Francis. Um, but you're right, because there are then more contemporary shows where women are do have a lot of agency and are involved in this in the um, work themselves. I will say I read um, Trigger Mortis, which is Horowitz's um, first Bond book, I believe, since he took over writing those novels. And he is carrying on like the um, maybe the noir feature of women in that book. He, it definitely feels like a Fleming novel. Fantastic, by the way. I really enjoyed uh, that one. Yeah, I, I read um, Forever and a Day, which is another of Horowitz's um, Bond novels. And yeah, it did definitely feel like he had, well, he'd done what he'd been assigned, right? Like he he continued in the mm-hmm. in the Bond tradition. And, and, you know, I don't know how the audience would react if he wasn't this suave guy who managed to, you know, romance all the women that he encountered. <laughs> Right. It just wouldn't feel like Bond if that was if if that was what was happening. Exactly. Exactly. Alias was definitely, you know, a very strong female character doing spy like things. Um, and then Homeland was um also the the main character in that was was mm-hmm. a female. Um so in there are definitely some more recent examples of women taking a taking a more active role because, you know, I'm sure that the various spy agencies around the world um, would have both women and men working for them. So, uh, you know, you would expect the the fiction to, to reflect that. Right. And I think just like we talked about um, utilizing some of the unassuming characters of authors as spies, certainly that was happening with using women in general because, it was taking advantage of the fact that people wouldn't think that of a woman, right? That So I think that Bletchley and some of those mm-hmm. shows that are set in, um, you know, the, the 40s or, or post-World War II are very accurate in the fact that I bet a lot of women were being contacted to do these sorts of things because people wouldn't suspect them. Well, people wouldn't suspect them and the men were actively fighting. Right. Right. And so, you know, you, um, that meant that the women were kind of the only, the only ones left behind. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, that was the role that they, that they got to play. But yeah, I love, I love those, um, pieces of historical fiction where they kind of talk about that really important role that women were playing, um, in, in the second world war. And, and even, you know, the Alice network, um, is about, uh, the First World War as well. And uh, I really enjoyed um, that and and The Rose Code and, and would highly recommend those to anybody who is interested in learning a little bit more from a, um, you know, a fictional um, perspective of, of what, what was happening and how, what, what role women were playing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Brooke, those were kind of all the, the observations that I had about uh, the spy fiction genre. Was there anything else that you wanted to, um, to comment on? 
Um, yeah, I actually want to take this to a, a little deeper level, if if you'll indulge me. Um, I want to look at it sort of from a literary perspective. Um, spies ask these deep questions. Um, a lot of times they're asking, who am I? Um, who's in charge? What's my mission here? Uh, what's the point? Who can I trust? And um, it's sort of the human condition questions. Jason Bourne, and I've referred to that again, it's one of my favorite uh, spy trilogies, um, is a really good example of this because he literally doesn't remember his life before. He doesn't know who he is. Um, And I don't think it's too deep to think of spy fiction in that way. I think that all literature, even, you know, pulp or commercial fiction, it reflects the questions that we all experience as humans. And even though something's very entertaining, it can also be thought provoking and it doesn't have to be. That's the fun thing about a lot of commercial fiction is you can just enjoy it for the ride, but you can also think about, um, what the story is saying on a deeper level. And I really think spy fiction touches on some of those, you know, who am I? What's the point? That's such a great point, Brooke. And you definitely, I mean, I definitely saw that in what I've read of the Carré's work. Um, Uh I actually read or listened to one of the last books that he wrote uh, and he actually narrated it, which I thought was really really neat to to listen to him reading his his work. Yeah. I thought it was excellent. Um and I I think even Bond, like he he asks those questions. Certainly I think Daniel Craig's Bond is, you know, if you look at his arc, um, I think he's been asking some of some of those deeper questions uh about like, yeah, why am I why am I doing this? Right. Yeah. Why am I here? What, who, who's in charge of me? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a really great point, Brooke. Thanks. So thanks for that conversation, Brooke. It was really interesting to uh, kind of think a little bit more about, um, about spy fiction. I think I was a a little bit concerned because I hadn't read very much of it, but when I think about how much I like, I really enjoy watching uh, spy films and, and spy television programs. And, you know, I could rattle off a whole bunch to, to recommend to people. The, I think the one that we watched most recently was Slow Horses. It was on Apple TV. Uh, and it, it was, it was fantastic. I really liked that. But yeah, there's, there's loads. Maybe we'll put some into the show notes, some of our, um, some of our recommendations. Uh, but yeah, thanks for this conversation, Brooke. Thanks. I agree. Let's put some recommendations in the show notes. But for today, thank you for joining us on Clued in Mystery. I'm Brooke. And I'm Sarah. And we both love mystery. Clued in Mystery is produced by Brooke Peterson and Sarah M. Stephen. Music is by Shane Ivers at silvermansound.com. Visit us online at cluedinmystery.com or social media at cluedinmystery. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing, leaving a review, or telling your friends.